Good morning, church. You alive and well out there? Somebody say amen. Hey, let's welcome the online audience. Can we do that? I'm glad that you're here as well. Tuning in with us today. So good to see so many smiling faces all in the same place. I'm blessed. I am so blessed. Alicia and I missed you. Uh, we suffered for the Lord on the beach in Florida for a week. <clears throat> it's really our vacation was um, finding a beach, sitting on the sand, staring at the ocean, and trying to hear God. That's simple enough. Amen. We didn't even see much of the area. We just wanted to find a beach and soak in the sun. So somebody say God is good. We've been thankful, thankful for um, the recent speakers that we've had here. Daniel, thank you, thanks so much, Daniel. You did a, such a fantastic job preaching last week. And um, did you enjoy our friend Vince before that as well? Yeah, it was such a good move of God. Come on. We actually went back. As some of you are watching that, we did go back and edit it slightly because it was almost a two-hour service, and we wanted to get the word out there. But then a lot of the ministry turned a little personal, and we thought it's a little bit a little bit much to keep all of that out on the world wide web for everyone to see There's a lot of personal words and such. And so in case you're wondering why we did that, I just think we need to honor each other in that way. And, um, let God do what God wants to do, but it doesn't always have to be out there for everyone. Is that okay? <laughs> but uh, I'm believing just for more. I'm believing when I was walking, I did hear one thing. I heard a lot of things, but I did hear one thing I want to share today. When I was walking on the beach. I really felt God say to me multiple times, make room for hungry people. Make room for hungry people. And I think there's a ramp up and an expansion for Grace Church where we need to make room for those that are hungry and seeking the Lord and welcome them in because we have what it is that they need. We have the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. We have the love of Jesus in this place. Amen and amen. That's a message before the message. Well, hey, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I bless the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and I bless the San Francisco 49ers. Now you don't know what to do. And so the team that wins is blessed. <laughs> the team that loses is blessed as well. I don't know. I never know what to do. You know, when it comes to the Lord and football, um, but anyway, be blessed, all of them, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Let all your parties be blessed with good food. <clears throat> well, hey, I have an announcement also about, uh, there, there's a women's conference coming up, but uh, Karen Miller is leading this group. It's called, it's called Going Beyond uh, live with Priscilla Shire. 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 Thank you, Karen. <laughs> um, it's going to be Saturday, April the 20th, right here in Reading at the Santander, but register here in the group, and then what you'll do is get sent from there. They'll send you the link to register for the group. So but the, the group is on our website in groups, right, Alicia? It can be found, and then from there you'll get information on how exactly to register for that wonderful event. Any more questions, Karen? Will you just raise your hand real quick? She's right here. Ask her all the questions about that. Um, sorry, guys, you need your own event. You, you're not invited to that one, uh, unless you're serving in some way. There is, a, there is an actual men's retreat that Lifeway's putting on um, that you all are, are invited to join. I got the word out to some of the men's groups, but if you want more information, would you see Barry Diamond or... Um, or uh, Nate Miller, they have the inf or just see me, and I can get you that information. We are invited to that if we want to attend. I think it's in March. I'm sorry, I don't have the information all right in front of me, but we invited to join them if you want to. Um, I want to say a huge welcome to uh, the Good family that's joining us today. Where did you all land? 
Yeah, there they are. All the hands, right? They're from, they're from Lifeway too. But listen, they spent a lot of time in Reading. All those are from your hometown and uh, especially Pastor Jake. He spent 35 years pastoring here in the city of Reading, South 7th Street Mennonite Church, right? And so then uh, eventually, through this and this and this, they all ended up at Lifeway. What a beautiful family. And his son, John, uh, Jake and Elaine, and then their son, John, and his wife, Sherry, and all of their kids are here with us today. But, but listen, can we just welcome them, first of all? Thank you. It's great to have you here. There's wonderful friends of ours, but I just want to honor you, Jake and Elaine, for sowing into this region, all of you though, and your church, the prayers of the saints, the, the amount of sowing that you did for 35 years, and then you went from there into, into years and years of prison ministry as well. Uh, we are here building on the prayers of the saints. Come on, somebody. And, and we're reaping a harvest still to this day from all those people that sowed in this region. So I just want to thank you. I want to honor you as a man of God and, and just... I'm honored to know you, so amen. Okay, God is good. Let's pause for prayer. I love prayer. How about you? I like when I talk to God, and I know that he's going to talk back to us, and I love interacting. Prayer is interaction. You okay with that? Well, God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, thank you that you are here present in and every one of us that says we're Jesus followers. You are here by your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We don't have to conjure you up. We don't have to sing something, pray something special that you hear. You're just here because you came with us when we came to church. Hallelujah, somebody. And we thank you that you're ready moving among us. You're healing, you're blessing, you're saving, and you're restoring. You're here to encourage us today. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Well, listen, our new series is called All In, and, it's, and I'm going to start by doing this publicly, and eventually it will become, I think, I think we're going to have our first one in March, we'll get that out there then, but it's going to become uh, a partnership class that we'll do about four times a year for those that are coming into Grace Church and saying, I want to know about the church, I want to know what this church believes, right? And I want, before I decide to join this church or come here more regularly, I need to know more about this place and maybe meet the pastors and all that. So eventually you'll see this all in class done at least four times a year, maybe more, depending on how fast we grow. Amen. But, but there's people coming in and it, sometimes it takes months to figure all that stuff out. Now there's some stuff on our, our website which is really helpful nowadays. I don't know if you know this, but most people check us out there before they ever show up, right? That's actually what I do before I visit a church. I see what their online presence is and see what they believe and who's leading this thing, right? I do that, and I'm sure you do too. But I wanna do it publicly. Um, there's, you know, maybe there's, even though some of you aren't new to Grace Church, I'm new to you, right? And so we're gonna talk through some things. Some things are gonna be basic and, and some things may be controversial, that's okay, but we ought to know in this season what it is that we really believe. Now, I like the word partnership as opposed to membership. I'm okay with either one. I, I might even use them interchangeably. I, I like when Romans tells us in other places too that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a member of the body of Christ. You all okay with that? However, just because you're a member of the body of Christ doesn't mean you're actively partnering with a local church. Some do and some don't. It doesn't mean you're not a member of the body of Christ. It means you, maybe you're functioning in a different way. But there comes a time when I can speak for myself as a pastor. It's good to know who feels called to partner with us. And that's, that's, a, that's an, more of an action word, and that's why I like it, because partnership actually means you're doing something. I'm a member of the gym, don't mean I'm going. 
I might even be paying monthly. <laughs> They're hoping that I keep paying monthly, even if I don't go, right? But no, partnership is an action word, and, and, and we'll spell all that out because, because um, some people just don't know. And I apologize, but we're just not like the old Lutheran church where you have a membership and you pay your dues, and 20 years later, you decide to go. I mean, it's just not really quite what I'm looking for. Maybe you are, but it's not really what I am, so... Okay, okay, I'll get off of that little soapbox and quickly move on. But um, that's why I'm gonna use the word partnership more than membership. So there's three main questions that I think people are asking and most likely you're asking if you're looking for a church. Well, how about this? You should be asking (laughs) is what do we believe? What do we do? And along with that, how do we do it? And then what defines partnership? What are the expectations for being part of this church? Right, this church family, so to speak, and those are the three ser- uh, three uh, messages we'll do in this series, and then we'll take it privately and do that a few times a year, ongoing. Well, today I'm going to hone in on what it is that we believe. Probably the most crucial, especially nowadays. Um, what do we believe as a church? What do we believe Scripture has revealed to us about God and about humans? about humanity and in their relationship with God. Is it okay, and I'm gonna talk about a little bit, is it okay if we don't 100% agree on everything? Can we still have unity in the faith if there's some debatable issues? Hmm, right? And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Obviously, they'd be non-salvation issues, uh, some things on the fringe. You might believe this and your brother might not. Um, And I think this is really, really important nowadays. It was in the fall a a couple months ago, right here at Grace Church, a young man visited um, who had not yet gone off to college. He was about to. And I said, what brings you to Grace Church? Getting to know him just a little bit. Uh, You know, he might have just been ready for college, 18 or 19. He said, well, I needed to get out of my church. And he mentioned a church downtown close to us. And I said, really, what happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to sort of hear, you know, sort of a church hurt story. And he said, well, the pastor is planning to dress up as a, as in drag, as, as, as a drag queen, because in solidarity for all that they're going through in our country right now. And, um, you know, he himself is okay with his gender, but he wants to do this and put, you know, and preach this next Sunday dressed in drag because he wants to let those people know how much they're loved. He's staring at me. And I'm going, I looked at him and I got in his face and I said, as long as I'm here, you're never going to see me dressed in drag. Uh Uh-huh. Or my pastors, hallelujah. (laughs) Or anybody on the stage, God forbid. But uh, now, now it dawned on me. Now listen, this is not somebody my age. This is somebody from Generation Z. That in his wisdom and in in his discernment, not even his own parents' discernment, is saying, I'm out of here. And I'm going to go find a church that stays biblical and is okay preaching the truth. Now listen, now listen, there's a place for empathy. This is not my whole message today. I'll move on quickly, and we'll save a lot of it for the next series when I talk about culture wars. And we're going to go to some of these tough questions and some of these tough things to talk about. We're going to do it with grace and love. Amen, somebody? This is called Grace Church, after all. There's a place for empathy. There's a place for concern. There's a place for love and even curiosity about what is going on with these folks 
and someone who is struggling with identity, gender dysphoria, or any other issue, quite frankly. One issue is, is as big as the other issue. But twisting God's truth, God's design for humanity, God's nature is not okay. And we'll talk more about this later, and, 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 but we ought to know in this season what it is that we believe, what we believe Scripture has revealed to us, and what we stand upon. Because I have never lived, I don't know about you, how you feel, I have never lived in such a wishy-washy culture as we do now. What's okay for me is probably not, probably, you know, what's okay for you is not, is not okay for me, but we're okay with you believing anything and all that kind of stuff. And we're all afraid to talk about what's true and what isn't. There's this one in Ephesians 4, and I forgot to put it up here, that this one scripture says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Somebody say, God forbid. It's time we stand on the truth and let the truth in God's love and grace change who we are. Listen, if Jesus were here, he would spend time with all these people that I just mentioned. That's what he did. He went to their house. He spent time with them. But guess who changed? Not Jesus. Can I just be wild for a moment? Jesus didn't get, become a prostitute to reach prostitutes. He also didn't become a tax collector to reach the tax collectors and get them to follow him. He didn't become a scribe or a Pharisee. He didn't become that. He went in and rescued those people. Now, my one big beef with the church has been our inability to speak the truth and to help these folks. Man, we've gone through, we've said some crazy things. We've done stuff like this and acted all like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Stuff like that. But we ought to be where people run to for help and freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Okay? Okay. I discovered, actually, this. we're going to talk about what we believe. Uh, I discovered that the Monday Night Men's Group, led by Barry Diamond, is also talking about this. And so, come on, Barry and uh, Craig McHenry. Bless you guys for going there. And they were also studying about essential doctrines of the Christian faith. So it's almost like we have the same Holy Spirit or something. Uh, so, hey, also, also once we get into the, into the, into the classes, this will be easier um, but I want this to be an interactive time. And so we might practice that a little bit today if we get some good questions. So we actually added um, a link. And if you would get out your smartphone, not many pastors tell you to get out your smartphones in church. This pastor is a little crazy. But, uh, but you can get out your smartphone, scan while I'm preaching. That's okay. Scan that thing in front of you and look for the one that says the all in, right? And then there's, it actually goes right to a form. If you click on that, it goes right to a form. And you can ask us a question today. And at the end here, Alicia's going to ask me some of them if they're, you know, more about the type of coffee or toilet paper that we have or so, you know, it has to be something relevant. Is that okay? <laughs> Alicia's going to be the barrier between <laughs> what's relevant for today's message. But anyway, we might, might partner uh, with you a bit. And that's what I want the classes to be going forward because people are coming in with a lot of questions and they should. And I would too. If I was out there searching for a church to join, I would have a lot of questions up front. If it's not spelled out on their website, I, I, would, want, well, I would want that place. And so, hey, we might practice a little bit today, today near the end of the message. Okay, let's talk about what's essential. And I might breeze through these. Sorry, Linda, I might actually talk pretty fast um, through, <laughs> through some of these basic ones. And, and I want to get to some, and I want to pause on some that might be a little bit more controversial today and what sets us apart possibly from the church down the road or your brothers and sisters that might attend a different church because it's really important to know what it is that we believe here. Number one, we believe in God. Anybody with me? 
There is one true holy God eternally existing in three equal persons. Yes, we're a Trinitarian church. Some people call it the Godhead. Um, and, and it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has demonstrated his power, wisdom, and goodness by creating the world and everything in it. And um, there are some churches around that say Jesus only, things like that. They don't teach a Trinity or a Godhead. The word Trinity, by the way, is not in Scripture, Old Testament or New. It's something that theologians made up. But the doctrines are all through Scripture where God, the Godhead, is seen as three in one. And one of them is, of course, John 17, 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And when Jesus was going away, he said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. And so they're all you know, three and one. You okay with that so far? Whew, we got a few followers. Hallelujah. Number two is, of course, Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is co-equal with the Father. Jesus lived a sinless human life and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for sins of all men by dying on a cross. And then after his death, right, Jesus Christ rose. He ascended into heaven as the only intercessor between God and humans. He promises to personally return to earth to fulfill the eternal plan of God. And there's a place in Philippians 2, starting at 6, where he said he, even though he was in the form of God, he did not count it equality. He, in other words, he didn't see it as heresy to say um, that he's equal with God. And I don't have time to quote all the scriptures, but look at Philippians 2, 6 and see what that says to you. And then we believe in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Holy Ghost. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son as God. The Holy Spirit leads believers to live a life of Christ-like character and bear fruit for the Father's glory. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers believers to apply the Bible to their own lives and do great things for Him. That's the empowering that we receive. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that were evident in the early church are available through faith for us today. Somebody say, for us today. This does set us apart from some of our brothers and sisters who are evangelical in nature, maybe cessationist in nature. I would never say they're going to hell. They have salvation. I don't want to make that a salvation issue. I do believe that cessationism, which is the move of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today and stopped with the apostles. I believe it's one of the biggest heresies on the, on the planet today and hit many, many churches. I don't know how many. I would say about half of all churches are cessationist, and the other half are continuationist to some degree. They believe that those gifts are for today, that we can hear from God, obviously through Scripture, but also through the person of the Holy Spirit revealing himself to us in signs, wonders, and miracles, and various, various gifts of the Holy Spirit, like prophecy in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and so forth, and healing. Water baptism is a thing, so is Holy Spirit baptism. Both are in the book of Acts. Both are experiences that we will teach and practice in this church. And I will not apologize for that. Now, there comes a time, you know, when let's say we go for months without talking about it and new people will come in. This is really one of the most important questions that I think faces churches today. What kind of church are you? And many, many people are asking that. Do not be afraid to share with them. And this is what I like people to say. We are a continuationist church. And that's, I know theologians made that word too. You won't find that in the scripture. But what it means is the gifts have continued. When you say, th I'm okay if you want to say we're Pentecostal charismatic, it really doesn't bother me, but a lot of that conjures up some weird things. <laughs> I don't think we have to be weird to be spiritual, but if the Holy Ghost is weird, I'm okay with that. 
Oh, Jesus smeared mud on people's eyes. How weird is that? According to what? Weird according to who? Are we going to be weird according to scripture or weird according to our culture? Okay, well then we're mostly weird already. If, we're, if we compare ourselves to mainstream culture, we're already stand out. And so make room for the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, when you, you, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth in places like Reading, Pennsylvania. Amen, somebody. Amen. Number four, the Bible. Somebody say the Bible. Amen. The Bible was written by men, listen, under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the canon of scriptures, because we believe there were certain canon of scriptures written many, many moons ago, right, by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write and to tell the story and to share what Christ has done and including all the Old Testament stories. Uh, it is for all people in every situation. It contains no error. The Bible is the sole basis of our belief system. And when we say the word of God, we mean the same thing, the canon of scripture, things like that. I often use words like scripture. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completed and equipped. Somebody say equipped for every good work. And so we're going to use it every time. I, I personally have not ever preached a message without using scripture. That's just doing a TED talk. Amen, somebody. That's not, that's not preaching. I believe that we need to have our foundation in what we call the word of God. Now, we got to be careful nowadays because we've been challenged in many, many ways as churches. And when you hold up your Bible and say, this is the word of God, I want to I do a, a, just a slight challenge to that because a correction, a theological correct way to say it would be, this canon of scripture contains the word of God. Now it's going to get quiet in here. I want to explain myself. Are you ready? The Bible contains the words of God. Not everything written is what God actually said. Now, it's very, very important. You go swinging about around the Bible and say, God's word, God's word. It's not all God's word. It's the story, and it's written by men who gave us the story, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it so we have it. But it's also the story of man. And some men were quite corrupt, and not everything that men did and said was actually what God said. You understand? You say, God's word, God's word. It's not all God's words. <laughs> okay, okay. We should read it, though. For, I, I'll give you one example, and this is really important. Like in Job 42, 7, he says, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, if you ever read through Job, like his friends had visited, and I mean, Job got stripped of everything he had, and his friends visited and tried to preach at him and say this and say that, and everything under the sun, and God came, he showed up, and he said, uh, he said, the, the, the Lord said to Eliphaz, who was the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. And I'm thinking, well, then why you have chapter upon chapter upon chapter of what Job's friends said when none of it is actually what God agreed with? Well, it's because God wants us to know what man has done and what man has said. And then if you read scripture and let scripture interpret scripture, interpret scripture, you will see that this is what God says and this is what men believed. And God comes in and redeems it and says, but I say. Now let's read the whole scripture and determine. Is that okay with you? And if you open up the book of Judges and go, maybe chapter four, but J.L., the wife of 
Heber took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and then she went softly to the enemy while he was sleeping and drove a peg into his head until he died. Well, that's the word of God. God is not telling you to do that. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Is anybody with me so far? But we're going to use the Bible as our foundation. You ready to move on? Okay, okay, good, good. Number five is man. We still have a few converts, Alicia. I think we're doing well. <clears throat> man was created in the image of God, good and upright, by voluntary transgressions. Talking about Adam and Eve, then men, men fell into sin. And then his, his only hope of redemption is Jesus Christ, God's son. It's talking about Adam and Eve in the garden through disobedience to God, obedience to the devil, they introduce sin into the world as well as produce generations of people who are born with a sin nature after that. It needed redemption and restoration and, and then back into a relationship with Father God, right? And you see that in Colossians 1, 12, 14, giving thanks to the Father, Paul writes, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Can I get a good amen? All of humanity, although God created it, he said it was good. There was a falling away. And then we look at all humans in need of redemption. And that is the right viewpoint of God and man. Are you okay with that so far? Amen. Humans in and of themselves all need a savior. And so when you bump into maybe what's called humanism or maybe hedonism, I don't know, you know, whatever it is out there today, our, our culture, the, the spirit of the age, you know, there's not a single person that's okay. There's not a single person even as right, as right living as they can conjure up. Even if they give all their money to the poor, there is still a need of Jesus Christ's redemption. There is not anything good enough that man could do in and of himself to restore his relationship back to the Father. Amen and amen somebody. Number six, we believe in the salvation, of course, and I already described it, but the central purpose of God's revelation in Scripture is to call people into fellowship with him. And that's what we mean by salvation. You've been saved from the darkness and into his, into his glorious night, into his glorious light through Christ's death and resurrection. Amen. So I want to, I want to make that clear. I want to pause there just a little bit. And, and, uh, and I want this to challenge some of you that maybe you have neighbors, friends, or whatever that say, there's multiple ways, you know, to get to heaven and there's multiple ways to be saved and things like this. I'm gonna read you Acts 4.12 and there is salvation in no one else. Somebody say no one else. <laughs> yeah, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, there's not multiple ways to get to heaven. How about John 14.6? Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so when friends that we love, maybe family members, neighbors, and coworkers, God bless them, you know, and say, you don't think that I'm getting to heaven? My first question for them is this, what heaven are you talking about? Now, most people love the idea of heaven. They want to go there when they die, even if they're not very spiritual people. What do you mean? You know, and first, clarify what heaven. If you're talking about heaven as a concept from Scripture that I believe, I can tell you how to get there. 
There's one man by which you can be saved, and his name is Jesus. If you're talking about an Islamic heaven, which is very, 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 very different, come on, from the heaven that's described in the Bible. If there's a Hindu place, I, you know, whatever, I can't tell you how to get there. I'm not well-versed in how to tell you to get there. Number one, I don't believe it exists anyway, so you might want to go ask someone else. But if you want to get to the heaven and live eternally with Christ, where Christ is, I can tell you how to get there, and it's through Christ Jesus. It's amazing in our culture, strange things in our culture, that most people have a sense that I would want to go to heaven when I die, when they don't even believe in the God and Jesus Christ that exists there. I think it would be strange and actually kind of rude and even abusive for God to put people in heaven that don't even like him. For all eternity, you haven't served me, you haven't worshipped me, you've never acknowledged my name, you certainly don't want anything to do with me or the body of Christ, but I'm going to bring you into all of eternity and sit you down right here next to my throne and make you suffer for all of eternity here with me when you don't like me. That would be weird and that's, that's kind of cruel, to be honest. That's not love at all. Love is that you get a choice and they get a choice. Okay, that takes me to number seven, heaven and hell. Take a deep breath. In, in this life, we have a choice to accept Christ or to reject him. Come on, somebody. After death, this decision is eternally sealed, and those who have accepted Christ will, will be received in eternal communion with God in heaven. Those who have rejected him will suffer eternal separation from God in this place that we called hell. It's basically eternal life, eternal death, eternal connection with the Father. And hell is simply, in its simplest terms, separation from God. And, and, that, and again, and I don't want to re-preach what I just preached, but that's the only thing that would make sense. For those who have made that choice and don't like the idea of God or serving him or loving him, he is not going to force his love upon you and make you spend eternity with him. Uh, you, you were allowed to have eternal separation if that's what you want. <laughs> I was my churches, and you might know some folks who go there that, have, that still like the idea of heaven. Uh, most unbelievers like the idea of heaven who no longer preach this idea of hell. Uh, or they preach it as a strange concept or whatever they say, well, then this is hell. You know, we're already in hell and things like that. No, it, it's actually, there's, it's talking about life, uh, a place after death. Um, can I just pause here and say this before I move on? God did not create hell for humans. Did you know that? There's a place in scripture, he, uh, in Matthew 25, 41, um, he says, then, then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There will come a time when he says, you guys can no longer run rampant across the face of the earth. The devil and his angels are going here. Now, the only way people go there is because they're serving that God and not the other one. He didn't actually create a place. Man, he, he has enough space in his heavenly realm for every single human that was ever created and ever will be. He has enough place there for you. He has created a place for, for every single person. Come on, somebody. And, and so I would preach that. But then we have to preach choice. And just as, it, just as it is appointed for man to die once, we read in Hebrews, and after that comes the judgment, this is our time. This is our window of opportunity where we get to choose. So no, I do not believe in purgatory. Some of you, how many came from a Catholic background? That's okay, love you guys. 
Yeah, a lot. And I have a lot of friends that came through the Catholic Church. That is not a doctrine that I teach, will ever teach here. This is your chance. There are enough of scriptures that say, this is the time. This is the window of opportunity right here. It's not that you go into a place of holding after you die, and then you get chance upon chance. And, you know, I don't know if they do it nowadays, but I think some, some do. But it used to be a time through the Dark Ages where then relatives could give into the church to help pay your way through purgatory. What a wonderful way to raise money for a church budget. <clears throat> I could start preaching that and see if some of y'all want to give. Y'all have relatives that might be stuck and all, you know. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Somebody say, uh-uh. <laughs> I just can't preach something that isn't clearly uh, spelled out in Scripture. Y'all okay with that? Yes. Number, <laughs> number eight, the church. We believe in the church. The church is you, by the way. All who acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are united with him as members of his body. Hallelujah. Man, I love the church. Man, I fell in love with the church when I got saved at 19. I was brought into just a loving family that surrounded me and it would help me through, you know, process all the craziness in my life, get me free from some addictions and disciple me, spend numerous amounts of our teaching and training. And, and then we just hang out with backyard picnics and all this kind of stuff. But man, if it weren't for the church, I really don't know that I would have survived because I wasn't motivated enough on my own to do all the study that I needed to do. I needed the body of Christ to pour into me. Come on, somebody. And I believe that scripture tells you in various, various places, we're supposed to gather for worship and prayer and fellowship and the teaching of the word like we're doing now and to observe things like baptism and communion and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to do that as long as we can until Jesus returns. Amen. Ephesians 2.19 says, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens. And I want to say that very clearly. I'm going to repeat myself just a little bit. You, if you're here, um, you don't have to feel like a stranger and an alien. You can be connected. You can be connected to the body of Christ, your spiritual family. Um, you're fellow citizens with the saints, Paul writes, and you're members of the household of God. And I love how he just emphasizes all that. You're fellow citizens with the saints. You're members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We all have that in common, amen, that makes us all brothers and sisters, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're my brother, you're my sister, <laughs> and I love you. Together, together, we're the dwelling place for God and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all ready for something a little controversial? Here we go. Take a deep breath. Ready to dive in. Hang on to your seats. Put your seat handles down so you can hang on a little bit. Number nine, <laughs> number nine we just added. Very, very important. We just added this to our website um, because it's very important. These are questions now that we're asking and probably going to have to do a little bit more, but this is what we believe about human sexuality. Uh, is taken from many, many places in Scripture. We believe a sexual relationship is only appropriate in a monogamous heterosexual marriage covenant and therefore should only be practiced in such. We believe that any sexual practice outside of a marriage covenant is called sin. Sin is called missing the mark, meaning this is God's design and I'm outside of that a bit. We believe that God created humankind in his image intentionally male and female, with each bringing unique qualities to sexuality and relationships. Sexuality is a wonderful gift from God to be expressed in marriage for procreation, union, and mutual delight, or in celibacy and devotion to God. We believe that marriage is the union of one man, known as husband, and one wife, one woman, known as wife, 
through a sacred covenant designed by God to be a lifelong relationship and commitment between a husband and a wife. We will teach and uphold God's marriage design as found in scriptures all the way back starting in Genesis and from there forward. We will teach and uphold God's marriage design as found in scriptures, but we will also seek to minister. Listen to me carefully. We will also seek to minister to those who suffer the consequences of of its brokenness. Listen to me carefully as I finish this out. We also affirm that we are called to minister to all who fall short of God's standards, known as sin, and love with love and compassion. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Because it's one thing to say, this is what I believe. It's quite, and I have some beefs with the church, honestly, over the years. And I know this is what I'm called to do. But honestly, some places, the church has done a lot of this and not a lot of, let me help you. Right? And, and so it, the, the church has been labeled judgmental in these regards. It's not judgmental to preach the truth. What's judgmental is me holding on to the truth and not offering others a helping hand. Amen, somebody. You look at Genesis 1.27. I think these scriptures are up there if you want more. Genesis 1.27, Hebrews 13.4, 1 Corinthians 7.35. And um, you can look them up a little bit later if you want. Genesis 1.27. You might have to listen to this back on YouTube tomorrow. Hebrews 13.4, 1 Corinthians 7.35. Many, many places. But let me read Matthew 19 before we move on, starting at 4. And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from from the beginning made them male? and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, let man not separate. That a woman just asked me just the other month, um, she has some coworkers and she invited a coworker to church. And the first question out of this coworker's uh, mouth was, you guys okay with gay people? And, um, and so this woman came to Grace Church, not with her friend, but was asking me, like, what, what should I say? <laughs> Those are good questions that we're asking. Come on. I wouldn't have even thought of asking this stuff when I got saved all the way back when I was 19 years old. But now we, we ought to know. I said, well, I'm going to have to ask you, if you, what do you mean, are we okay? That's too, that's too broad. And then I said, what specifically does she want to know? Are you a gay affirming church was actually her question. Am I okay with gay people? Well, sure. God loves all people. God so loved the world. Amen? Amen. Including all those who suffer from a variety, various levels of brokenness, including sexual brokenness and various dysphorias of all kinds, including liars and cheaters and all of those, all those thieves. You okay with that? He loves all those people. And then I said, we are okay in that regard. Come on in. This is where you belong. Find truth. Tell her to come. But we are not a gay affirming church. I cannot stand in the pulpit and say, when you've decided to make friends with your sin and call it part of your identity, I can't acknowledge it and affirm it on any level. I just can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Do I love you? Yes. Do I affirm all of your behavior? No. Man, how many of you taught your kids how to lie? Nobody? Well, then you should have called them all liars because they all learned to do it at a very young age. Toddlers know how to lie. It's amazing. They sneak around stealing that cookie from the cookie jar. Some, Some toddlers are really bad liars. 
and you could see it written all over their faces. Others, I was shocked, but I, I had the most precious kids in the world. But, but when, when you realized that at a, you didn't have to teach them this stuff. We were all born with a sin nature. Come on. That, that when they were like, they could actually say with a straight face, no, I didn't do that. Or yes, you know, did you clean your room? Yeah, got it done. You know, look, wait a minute. How, how did they learn to do it so well? And you can easily say, well, you were born that way. That's true. That's actually, it, and, and our cultures, and we'll, we'll do more of this some other day. You're gonna, we're going to save this for the next series. Yes, we were born that way. Yes, we were born on all levels of brokenness and fallen humanity, which is why every single one of us need the salvation. I don't know what I would be, quite frankly, or how I would behave if it weren't for Jesus. I don't know how you would behave if it weren't for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And so, yes, it's true we were born into something, but it's also true that all of us are in need of redemption, and there's no way, shape, or form that we should say, let's make friends with a certain sin. If it's missing the mark, it's missing the mark. Now, here's the difference. Some Christians know that, are wrestling and battling against it. We prayed for people that have various thoughts, you know, fantasies, if you will, about the you know, same-sex attraction, all that. That is not the sin. The sin is agreeing with it and saying, now this is my identity. That's a different story. Amen, somebody? We ought to know what we believe in this season. Now, I'm going to go into some other things real quick. How are we doing for time? Let's get out of here soon. Um, other important things might be missions. I would actually say that we're under construction as far as what we believe about missions and not that we believe, but not that we don't believe in it. We're under construction in the sense of what all Grace Church is called to give to it. Like to at some point form a committee that actually helps to, to figure some of that stuff out. Uh, I like to give to missions and missionaries all over the place that are impacting regions for the Lord and for the gospel. Um, I will say this about missionaries. If missionaries don't preach the gospel, then what I find is like doing, you know, just practical work of building buildings and giving food, that can last for decades upon decades upon decades. Why? Because it's the gospel that actually changes. But how many know that it's hard to preach the gospel to somebody that's starving, right? And so our agenda is still preaching the gospel. Okay. We believe in men and women in ministry. Did you hear me say and women? Okay, good. Romans 16 talks about um, there's a first century apostle. Her name was uh, Junia. Did you know this? Yeah, the, the King James didn't like that, and so they changed it to Junius so that it looks like a guy's name. But it's actually, if you go back to Hebrew, uh, Hebrew it's actually Junia. Um, how about the book of Acts? Um, Priscilla and Aquila were the leaders of a house church. I could get off on this. Maybe I'll preach a whole message series on women in ministry. It's a little bit, uh, you know, some people are just like not sure about all this stuff today. And so obviously when Paul was saying women are to be silent in the church, he didn't mean it because there was a lot of women. And, and there was something going on in that particular church, obviously, where some women needed to shut up. Apparently, I don't know if they just kept talking. They're trying to talk over him while he's preaching. I don't know. But you have to pause and let scripture interpret scripture, interpret scripture so you get the full story of what God is saying. He's not teaching them men and women to prophesy in one place and then over here saying women be silent in the church. It doesn't work that way. You have to take the whole picture and say, what are you saying here, Lord? Amen. What are some other things that you're wondering about? Did you get any questions, Alicia? Did you get a few things? All right. I know this is super risky, but I love it. And, and, and this is, I want to I create an atmosphere where you feel like you can actually interact with us and get us to know. Uh, if you have a question, scan the barcode in front of you and look for 
the, at the very top, it should say all in and then ask your question that way. Go for it if you have any, Alicia. Just, you should be able to press the button. <clears throat> she might need help with the mic. Um, press the button? Yep, yeah, press the red button. It's on. Check, check. No, Nate, come and help her with this mic, maybe. Or just yell it out. I'll hear you. We're close. Okay, it might be on now. There we go. We got it. Sorry about that. Thank you, Nate. Thank Appreciate you, Nate. it. All right, this is a good one. It says, what denomination is Grace Church? We are a non-denominational church, and so I'm not opposed to denominations. Um, some denominations have done an amazing work uh, across, across the globe. Uh, some denominations are very, very controlling in nature, and you can't you can barely breathe without asking the big man, you know, that, that sits in, in the head office. And so we are a non-denominational church. However, what I do, what I do like is what, what's formed in the last couple of decades. It's called Networks of Churches, right? And so we are part of a network of church called Worship Center Network of Churches. There's about 20 churches that are under the Worship Center in Leola, Lancaster County. Pastor Sam Smucker is a retired pastor from the local church, has given that over to, uh, I forget his name offhand, but anyway, a wonderful pastor, and now he oversees about 20 churches. And when I say oversees, he is apostolic in nature, but it's the kind of apostolic leadership. And this is really important. I could get on a soapbox with all this stuff. Apostolic leadership, that's servant leadership. And he serves and he prays. And Alicia and I met up with Pastor Sam Smucker and his wife, Cheryl Ann. And so when, when, now Pastor Ray was sent out by Sam Smucker 40 years ago to start this church, right? And so they've been under that network for, for 40 years. Now, us coming in as pastors, we had to reapply to remain part of that network, and we just did that. And so we're waiting to be accepted or rejected. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, do you want the next question? Sure. It says, can someone not baptized in Grace Church receive communion? Yes, as long as you were baptized. We do, we, yeah, that's a great question. We, we recognize all baptisms done in other churches or in your bathtub like Justin Bieber or whatever. You know, <laughs> get baptized. I got baptized in a backyard pool after I got saved at age 19. And that's the first time I got fully dunked and fully immersed, right? I was sprinkled as a little Mennonite kid. There's a few drops of water. And that's okay. We can recognize that because it's symbolic. I understand that. But I wanted the full immersion experience. So where baptism means immersion. That's why we get you fully under, right? And it fully better represents what I believe, you know, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. But yes, we recognize it. We do not recognize infant baptism. We recognize believer's baptism, meaning you made a decision in your heart to, to get baptized and acknowledge Jesus Christ. If you, got, if you were baptized as a baby, I would encourage you to think about getting rebaptized as a believer, as a Christian believer, because now, only now can it be your act of obedience to Christ. And, we, and at Lifeway, we baptized many, many people that wanted to get baptized as adults. So. And is there a prerequisite that you have to be baptized before you would receive communion at Grace Church? Is that a prerequisite? No, it's not. No, you can receive. No, that's a good question. You can receive communion uh, as, as a believer. Um, both of them, both baptism and communion are ways of acknowledging the finished work of the cross. Very good. Next question would be asking about Bible translation. Would we believe that only a certain Bible translation <laughs> is acceptable or not? No, I... 
I actually, uh, personally, I, that's a great question. Personally, I actually believe that there's a lot of Bibles that have been translated super, super well. There's parts of the NIV that are a little sketch, and it seems like they, they left parts of Adam. And I, I might have to answer that question in more detail a little bit later. By the way, I want to let you know that ask a question, and if I don't get to it this morning, you know, I, I will try to answer them throughout this week, but I, want, I still want them to come in. And, and there's some translations that have maybe almost like left some parts out, but I have so many different translations and alliterations that I use. I even like the Passion Translation, which got some heated debate going on, but I think parts of it are amazing. Parts of it are just so spot on and even poetic and more descriptive. I personally use the ESV uh, or the New American Standard. Um, the King James Version, um, yeah, I have moved pretty far away from the King James. I use the King James when I'm using Strong's Concordance because it works well together, but then I will go to another translation to see what it says. King James uh, was a little interesting of a person. We'll just say that. I don't even know if he was saved. And plus he hated women, that's for sure. He's very legalistic, very dogmatic. I'll, I'll, if you're not a Christian, I'll kill you. No, he's, no it's, it's interesting. There's, there's much better translations out there now than the King James, by the way. And I've also seen you, uh, Vern, go back to the original Greek and Hebrew when you're doing studying because a lot of times the, the current translations yes. had their certain way of um, translating something which isn't necessarily always 100% yes. accurate with the original Hebrew and Greek. So I've seen That's you do right. that quite a bit as well um, right. because we have to realize that all of our translations, they some things are going to be a little bit adjusted to move it into Correct. the English language for us. So just to add that on. Amen. Thank you, love. That's good. Hey, uh, one, one more maybe. You guys still okay? This is fun There's actually two questions they're asking. Um, okay, we'll what, take two. What would it look like? Well, the, these two would be the same. What does it look like to become a member or how do we partner with Grace Church? So maybe you can explain sort yeah. of the pra practical outworking of what that's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. I want to highlight in the, in that mostly in the third um, series that we do here, the third message of this series. I want to talk today about what we believe as a church, about God and man. And then uh, the second one, I'll talk about what it is we do again and, and have some fresh vision again around what we do and why we do it, maybe how we do it, right? And the third session, I want to talk about partnership because what, does it, what is active partnership with your local church. And so by that time, we're going to have a form that you can actually access and fill out to saying, I want to let you know that I agree with the doctrines of the faith. Because when people come in and they, they, they don't sign anything, and again, it's not like we're getting married here. It's not wedding vows. Come on, somebody. It, I also don't believe in covenant membership type type stuff, okay? Can we just ditch that idea in case some of you are like gasping for air right now? Like, dear me, where are we going here? No. And but, um, but I believe it's important, especially, now, I get this, active partnership, it's good for me and Alicia, pastors, to know who you are, because when we are looking for future board members, future elders, future leaders, youth leaders, kids leaders, ministry leaders, and pastors that we want to add on of all kind, we really need to know who is all in, because when some people stay on the fringes, they're not sure if they want to give. They're not sure if they want to serve. They're not even sure if they belong here. And if, they, if you're there today, that's okay. You're checking us out. Come on, we had to do that too. We've been through various church changes ourselves. We have to go through a season of checking it out, making sure. But then there comes a time when you commit. And when you commit, 
and you're saying I'm all in, then we wanna hear from you. We wanna know that. Number one, we wanna shepherd that and, and know who's part of this family for sure. We pray for you all the time. You know, but then we also wanna know who wants to build with us and, and run with this vision. Is that okay for now? We'll do more. So, Yay, come on, give yourselves a hand. Good stuff. That wasn't too bad. I was sweating it a little bit. Like, what kind of questions are gonna come? But, but let, me, let me finish by saying this. There's, there's some debatable things that, um, that, that I, I didn't really get to, but I wanna, I wanna wrap this up for today. But some of the debatable things that Paul talked about in Romans 14, and we don't really debate over eating meat that's sacrificed to idols, you know, like they were debating back then. But basically what he said is, some of you are okay with this and some of you are not. Stop judging one another. Some of you, your faith is there where you're like, you can eat this meat and it's not going to affect you because your faith is like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me, right? Others were like, uh-uh, I ain't touching that meat. It was sacrificed at the altar of Baal or, or, or the Princess Diana or whatever it was. Well, nowadays, we have a lot of debatable things, you know, that are, for example, the consumption of alcohol is a hotly debated thing, you know, in churches. I believe Jesus turned water into wine. Come on, somebody. It wasn't grape juice. Uh, and if you, read, if you read the letter, it was actually wine that, that they were serving. Now, I also believe the word says to not get drunk with wine. Um, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think in, in this day, when, and when you get to a debatable thing, he's okay with a glass of red wine, and he's not. We really need to reach a place of honor in the church toward one another. When I have friends that should not ever touch alcohol again because of what they've been through and the addiction that they've come out of, and I want to make sure that I never make them stumble. And back to Romans, Paul said, let's not let our freedom cause another person to stumble. If you're free to do it, then don't drink a beer in front of that person. That's not, that's not great for them. And don't say, hey, do you want to hang out? Let's meet in a bar. No, choose a cafe you know, to honor that person. But also those of you who are saying, I will never touch alcohol, it's also not, not okay for you to judge everyone else about the consumption of alcohol when Jesus himself drank wine and changed water into wine. Let's get off of the legalism bandwagon. Can we do that? And honor one another. But I want to be very, very careful around stuff like that because alcohol, and I should say the abuse of alcohol, has really destroyed many, many lives. And we need to be real sensitive about that, that area. The other uh, debatable thing that I'll mention, then I'm going to wrap up, is the study of end times. I don't have time to go into it today, but sometime we'll talk more about it. But it's a hotly debated topic known as eschatology, when will Christ return, post-tribulation. Some of you are laughing. You know this. You've had these debates, and you've read all 3,000 books that are out there in the market. It's like, ah. The last one somebody handed me, I literally threw in the garbage. I couldn't even stomach it. It was so negative, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and all the Christians and, of course, America. They're mostly all against America, but <laughs> for sure. But anyway, I believe that there is an end times, and some of the stuff that's happening nowadays is really hard to ignore when it comes to end times, man. You see miracles, signs, and wonders happening all over the place, and signs of the end times like you see in Matthew 24, for sure. But then again, all generations thought that we were in the end times. Right? And so, so I understand this. I know this. But here's one thing I don't think is debatable. Christ will return. Amen. There's a second coming of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Would you stand with me today? That's good for today. Sorry, I went a little bit long. Sorry, kids ministry. We love you guys. Well, listen. To end this particular service, 
I want all of us to get just a little bit quiet. Maybe somebody can start playing here in the background. I kind of ended abruptly. Sorry, Nate. Uh, Nate's, you can walk. You don't have to run. I don't want you to hurt yourself. But, but this is what I want you to go away thinking about today. Am I swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? Am I part of the wishy-washy culture that if someone were to get into my face and say, what do you believe about God and about man and about what Scripture says, you're one of those that likes to shrug your shoulders and go, eh, I'd rather not say. I want to break timidity off of us today in Jesus' name. There's a place in Scripture where it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This was after the day of Pentecost, and the house shook, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word with boldness. Somebody say boldness. And there is such a timidity in our culture to stand for truth. There's a lot of fear. And it's interesting that some of the worship time today focused on getting rid of fear. There's a lot of fear about this, and we're afraid to say what it is we believe for the sake of being labeled judgy or whatever it is and all that kind of stuff. But listen, if that is you, I want to break that off of you in Jesus' mighty name. You don't have to live in fear. You can, you can speak the truth in love, Right? Let's do every eye closed for just a moment here as we think about it. Are you one of those folks who says, I need to get solid in what I believe and stand on the foundation of Scripture, and I would like more boldness in this area? Would you raise your hand and say, I need more boldness in this season that I'm in? Yeah, a lot of you. Good. I'm so proud of you. Amen. I need more boldness in this season to stand on truth. Amen and amen. Good. I declare boldness upon you. I break off all fear and timidity in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you that we can speak the truth and love, stand on the solid doctrines of Christ Jesus. Man, I, let's do one more thing. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to know this Jesus Christ. I want to make him the way and the truth and the life. And I've decided today that he is the one that I follow for salvation, for freedom, and for eternal life in heaven when I die. Every eye closed for just another moment. If that is you today and you've never done that but would like to, I would love for you to raise your hand high in the air so we can pray with you before we go. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? If you're online, just say, I need Jesus, and we'll pray with you as well. Anybody else? For the first time, you'd like to acknowledge it. Thank you. Let's all pray together one moment. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the finished work of the cross. I repent of my sins. I lay down my will and my ways in surrender to your will and your ways. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. Holy Spirit, empower me to live in your truth, both in thought and in deed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate one more time.